0: All right, open your Bibles to the book of Zechariah, chapter 1. I have three topics tonight from Zechariah. And we'll see how many of those we can get through. And what my plan for these Wednesday night services is, is to some of the detailed background. So when I make a statement about the times of the Gentiles, The three subjects that we're going to talk about tonight are the times of the Gentiles, the night, and then um, the eyes of the Lord are going to and fro in the earth. So when I talk about these things on Sunday, I'll say, well, in the Bible, when you see this phrase, it means this. So what I hope to do on Sundays is be able to uh, preach... Oh, more practically from the, from the passages in Zechariah. And then in the Bible study, really get into the meat of it and cross-referencing and those things. Because what happens on Sunday morning is we have guests that aren't familiar with their Bibles. And it becomes hard for them to even keep up with what we're doing. And I still want to be able to preach to them. I, I want to be able to have an influence on them. And then on Wednesday nights, actually get into the meat of the Bible study. So that's the heart of what we're trying to accomplish. So look with me in Zechariah chapter 1 and verse 7. It says, Upon the four-and-twentieth day of the eleventh month, which is the month Sebat, in the second year of Darius came the word of the Lord unto Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Edo the prophet, saying... And what I want us, the first thing that I want us to look at is the times of the Gentiles. When the Bible talks about the times of the Gentiles, you can, uh, you can understand that. So let's, let's dig through the scriptures on that. So go to Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21, look at verse 24. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. So let's try to get an understanding of this times of the Gentiles. Go to Daniel chapter 9. And to look at verse 24, Daniel nine Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem... Unto the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks, and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again, and the wall even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the Prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood. And unto the end of the war desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. For the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate even unto the consummation. And that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. So, what you have here in... Some people make the mistake of beginning the times of the Gentiles with Daniel chapter 9. This is not the times of the Gentiles. What this talks about, this is the history, this is the prophecy of what God is going to do with Israel from the time of the rebuilding of the temple. From that point on, He gives an exact time of when Jesus Christ would make His triumphal entry, the exact day, and maybe we can go through that information another time. But what this is talking about is um, this time of desolations, troublous times, In the at the end shall be determined, determined shall be poured upon the desolate. So, what this is talking about is this time of desolations for Israel. That's what's being dealt with in Daniel chapter nine. Let's try to understand from the scriptures what this times of the Gentiles actually is. So, go to Daniel chapter two. We saw in Zechariah chapter 1 that the dating of that event was in this particular year of Darius, the king. Everywhere else in your Old Testament before that, since Israel had been established and given a king, it's the date of that king. In In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. That's based on these kings of Israel. The times of the Gentiles are the times when Gentile kings or Gentile rulers are ruling over God's people. So in Daniel chapter 2, you have this vision. Look at verse 28. I love this passage. Um, But there is a God in heaven that reveal the secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days do you see that the latter days thy dream and the visions of thy head upon thy bed are these and he gives this interpretation i love his humility in verse 30 but as for me this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that i have more than any living but for their sakes shall uh, but for their sakes that shall make known the interpretation to the king and that thou mightest know the thoughts of thy heart. So now he goes and gives this image of these... This, he gives the interpretation of the image. So look in verse 31. Thou, O king, sawest, and behold a great image. This great image whose brightness was excellent stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. This image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, "...his legs of iron, his feet part iron and part of clay. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and brake them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away that no place was found for them, and the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. So what is this? this is the, God says there are going to be four great kingdoms, four great Gentile kingdoms that I'm going to raise up. The stone that the builders rejected, that stone is going to return and crush these kingdoms. When are all of those kingdoms finally crushed when Jesus Christ returns at the end of the tribulation period to establish His kingdom. So the times of the Gentiles date from 539 B.C. when the children of Israel were ultimately taken into captivity. Remember, Judah was taken first and then Israel. And ultimately, you end up with Gentile rulers for the rest of the time. There's no longer a king in Israel. Remember what happened. What did did Pilate put on Jesus Christ's cross? king of the Jews, in three languages. And they said, we have no king but Caesar. Isn't that interesting? See, Jesus Christ would have been their king. But Caesar, a Gentile ruler, they declared him to be their king. And so look at what happened. Go to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, from Luke 19 through the, uh, the rapture, this is the fullness of the Gentiles. Now, we've looked at that from Romans chapter 11. Uh, let's just make sure that we get that. Hold your place here in Luke 19. Go to Romans 11. Verse 25. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. So the, the fullness of the Gentiles is that period from Luke 19 that we're going to look at until the rapture. At the end of the tribulation, all of Israel that's left is saved. All right, so go back to Luke chapter 19. Look at verse 41. "'And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace. But now they are hid from thine eyes.' For the days shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee round and keep thee in on every side and shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee. And they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. So that blindness starts here. Now they're hid from thine eyes. That blindness happens until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. This time's... Of the Gentiles. The times of the Gentiles deals with the the kings of the Gentiles ruling over them. And we have that definition given to us. Look at Hosea chapter 3, right after Daniel. Hosea. Daniel chapter 3, look at verse 4. Hosea chapter 3 and verse 4. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a what? Without a king. We have no king but Caesar. See? For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king and without a prince and without a sacrifice and without an image and without an ephod and without teraphim. Afterward shall the children of Israel return... And seek the Lord their God, and David their king, and shall fear the Lord and His goodness, look in the latter days, in the latter days. Now go with me to Acts chapter 15, and let's get an understanding of what, let's get a New Testament understanding of Hosea chapter three, Acts chapter 15. Just remember what's happened? Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, is told to go and see Peter and that Peter will preach the gospel to him. Peter preached the gospel to him and they received Jesus Christ. Not only did they receive Jesus Christ, but they got the indwelling Holy Spirit. When they got the indwelling Holy Spirit, they spoke in tongues. Why did they speak in tongues? They were Gentiles. Why did they speak in tongues? To prove to Peter, the Jew, that they had received the Holy Spirit. Anytime you see tongues in the Bible, it's a sign for the Jews every time. So Acts chapter 11, the apostles are upbraiding Peter because he had preached and eaten with these Gentiles. And Peter says that the Holy Ghost fell on them as he did on us at the beginning. Well, the beginning of what? The beginning of the church, beginning of the gospel being preached with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. So you have this change from a, a Jewish message. Now God is shifting to Jews, Gentiles, and the church of God. 1 Corinthians ten thirty two. But primarily, because blindness in part has happened to the Jews, it is primarily a Gentile message. So now these Gentiles are getting saved, and the apostles are trying to figure out what to do with them because some of the teachers want them to keep the law. So are they supposed to keep the law? So they come together in Acts chapter 15. Now, you might have a note, a footnote, that calls this the Council of Jerusalem. It's such a bad thing. Anytime you have a council in the Bible, it's people taking counsel against Jesus Christ and against God's work you would have to be a Catholic to call this a council. Okay? It's not. It was a meeting of Christians. All right? But look at verse 13. And after they had held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for His name. And to this agree the words of the prophets, as it is written, After this I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David which is fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up that the residue of men might seek after the Lord, and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Wherefore, my sentence is that we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to God. So now you see, this is the times of the Gentiles. This is the rule of the times of the Gentiles until the temple's rebuilt. Until that time when the temple will be rebuilt. The temple's not going to be rebuilt until the tribulation. At the tribulation, saved Christians are taken out. Jews, Gentiles, Church of God, they're all taken out together. Everyone who's saved in the rapture. Then who is God going to work on? God's going to work on Israel, Remember Zechariah chapter 13, two-thirds shall be come through the fire and be cut off. The one-third will call on the name of the Lord, and he'll say, you're my people. That's, that's what happens in the tribulation. But what about Gentiles? There's going to be a residue of Gentiles left in the earth that's reached during that period. That's what this is saying in Acts chapter 15. So this times of the Gentiles is a time when they have no king over them where they are ruled by Gentile rulers, and that's what's going to happen until the king of kings comes back and sits on the throne and rules them. What's going to happen then? He's going to sit on the throne of David, and they're going to have a king, and that king is going to be Jesus Christ, the son of David. Isn't that wonderful? That's the times of the Gentiles. Um, I want to show you a couple of things about the latter days. This is going to help you. Go back to to Hosea 3. Remember, we just saw this. Hosea 3, verse 5, Afterward shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God, and David their king, and shall fear the Lord and His goodness in the latter days. When you see that latter days, most of the time it's dealing with the millennium. Most of the time it's dealing with the kingdom. But remember, the kingdom begins with Jesus Christ returning at the end of the tribulation period to judge the world. So, what you'll find is, go to Deuteronomy chapter 32. So, in the tribulation period, you know, people are going to take the mark of the beast. And not only are people going to take the mark of the beast, but God is going to mark His people in their foreheads. Keep your place in Deuteronomy 32. Go to Revelation chapter 14. So, of course, Revelation 13 is the mark of the beast, the number of His name, verse 18. But in chapter 14... Revelation chapter 14, look at verse 1. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him an hundred, forty, and four thousand, having his father's name... See what it says? Written in their foreheads. They're sealed. They're marked. In Revelation chapter 7... Verse 2, And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. You see that? So they, they get a mark too. Isn't that interesting? So in the tribulation period, you can't buy or sell without the mark. In So what has God done? God marks His people in their foreheads. It's interesting, isn't it? How many of you just don't care? That's, that's pretty interesting that He marks them in their foreheads. Now go back to Deuteronomy chapter 32. Look at verse 5. They have corrupted themselves. Their spot is not the spot of His children. They are a perverse and crooked generation. So, God marks His people with a mark, but there are a group of wicked people that have a spot, and their spot is not the spot of the children of God. When does this take place? Look at chapter 31, Deuteronomy 31, look at verse 29. For I know that after my death you will utterly corrupt yourselves and turn aside from the way which I have commanded you. And evil will befall you in the latter days. The latter days. So the latter days deals with the tribulation and with the kingdom when it's dealing with Israel. All right? The, the tribulation and the kingdom when it's dealing with Israel. Um. Look at Hebrews chapter 1. We looked at this passage on Sunday morning. Hebrews chapter 1, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these... What are those two words? See, that's different than the latter days. The last days are the time from the ascension of Jesus Christ until His return. The, the, the latter days are, that's the, the tribulation and the kingdom. Primarily the end of the tribulation when Jesus Christ comes back in judgment and heading into the kingdom. And we could trace down a bunch more passages on that. Let, let's just look at one more. Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 2. I think I have 18. I think, I think the latter days is used 18 times in the Bible, and it's very consistent on that interpretation of it. Or that usage of it, Isaiah chapter two. This is fun, and it shall come to pass in the last days. Do you see that? In the last days, that the mountain of the Lord's house, that the that the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains. And shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow unto it. All right? So the last days, when is this going to happen? In the last days. But those last days are the time. It could be anywhere in that time from the ascension of Christ until the end of the kingdom. But when does it look like this is going to be? This is in the millennium. That's when this is going to happen. So when Jesus Christ returns and establishes his kingdom, not only does he heal the land, but Mount Zion is lifted up to where it's higher than the rest of the mountains in the world. That's going to be the top of the mountains. It's an interesting thing. Latter days, last days, those things, the definition of it comes from the context, but that latter days is always dealing with the kingdom or the end of the tribulation. All right, so now... That's the the times of the Gentiles. Let's look at this next thing. Go back to Zechariah, chapter one. This one's pretty interesting, and I'm gonna we'll probably spend the rest of our time on this. Look at verse seven, Zechariah one, verse seven. Upon the four and twentieth day of the eleventh month, which is the month Sebat, in the second year of Darius, came. The word of the Lord unto Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Edo, the prophet, saying, I saw by night, and behold, a man riding upon a red horse. So this is the horseman among the myrtles. That's this first vision. So if you'll remember, I told you that that, that nighttime, that nighttime is always the church age or the tribulation. It's always the church age of the tribulation. We're going to trace that out, and this is going to be really fun. So let's, let's look at this, I saw by night, I saw by night, all right? Um, look at Isaiah 21, Isaiah 21, look at verse 11, the burden of Duma, he calleth to me out of seer, look at this, watchman, watchman, what of the night? Watchman, what of the night? the watchman saith, the morning cometh, and also the night, if ye will inquire, inquire ye, return, come, watchman, what of the night in the Old Testament, the night was divided into three watches, all right, so the watchman you'd set a watchman to keep from being attacked, and these watchmen were in three watches and um there's a passage that says, I will stand on my watch. That's, that's the shortest guy in the Bible. He could stand on his watch. That's the worst joke ever told. <laughs> the timing's everything. The timing's everything. <laughs> it's actually pretty good. Oh, um, that's awesome. So I've got to add that to that horrible joke now to make it a little bit better. So, in the Old Testament, the night's divided into four watches. So, look at Judges 7.19. Look at verse 19. So, Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came unto the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch. Do you see that? The middle watch. So, in the Old Testament, there were three watches of four hours each. And you, they do that to keep the watchman fresh because it, it's hard to stand watch for 12 hours. You fall asleep, you, you lose your focus. And that's bad <laughs> because then if you're not there to give the warning when people come, there's a problem. And the Bible does actually talk about that. We're going to look at it in a minute. So, in the Old Testament, you had three watches. In the Gospels, it's changed more into a Roman economy, and there are four watches. So go to Mark chapter 13. Mark 13, look at verse 35. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh, at even or at midnight or at the cock crowing or in the morning so there are four watches here so what you see is at the even that's the watch from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. these are 3 hours or at midnight that's from 9 p.m. to 12 a.m. or at the cock crowing that's 12 a.m. to 3 a.m. or in the morning that's 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. okay so these are the watches so the the night is divided up into these sections. So you have the even, the midnight, cock crowing, or the morning. Now, look at the first part of verse 35. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh. Who's the master? This is Jesus Christ. We're watching to see when he comes. So this is a reference to, look at verse 34. For the son of man, that's Jesus, for the son of man, is as a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter to what? Watch. To watch. Now, the porter, that's the person guiding the port, the guarding the port. That's the, at the door, okay? So he has a guard. He's given a watch. And what's he watching for? The return of Jesus Christ. So the night is the time from the Lord's ascension until His coming. That's the night from, the, from His ascension into heaven until His coming. Look at Acts chapter 1. Look at verse 10. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as He went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel... Which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. So this ascension is the promise that he's also going to return. So the the night is the time from his ascension until his return. And we're going to trace that down a little bit more here. The night is the time between Christ's ascension and His second coming. Jesus Christ in Matthew... Go to Matthew 24. Look at verse 42. Watch, therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Now, remember, this is it's, it's important that you understand that this passage is not the rapture. This is the second coming of Christ. Okay, that's when this is taking place. And I'm not going to take the time to... Go into that. I've covered that a lot of times. But this is the second coming of Christ. Now, remember, that you have the second coming of Christ comes in two parts. The rapture and His appearing. The rapture and His appearing. When we're talking about the second coming here, this is when He comes to the earth visibly. Nobody sees Jesus at the rapture, except us when we get up there. His second coming or the glorious appearing. The glorious appearing is when everyone sees Him. And when they see Him, they mourn. That's what it says in Zechariah chapter 12, I think it's verse 14. Um, let me read that to you. It says, it's actually Zechariah 12, verse 10. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourns for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. In that day shall there be a great morning in Jerusalem as the morning of uh, Hadad-Rimon in the valley of Megiddon. So that's the appearing. They're going to see him and he's still going to have those those nails, piercings in his hands. Um, The nails are not there, but the holes and all of the scars, he's going to bear those for eternity. We'll always know what he's done for us. So he says, watch, therefore, in chapter, we're back in Matthew 24. He said, watch, therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come, but know this, that if the good men of the house had known in what watch the thief would come. This thief, it's a reference to Christ at his return. So look, keep your place here in Matthew. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This is such a fun passage. 1 Thessalonians 5 is just an amazing text. Because what it does, remember First Thessalonians four, in verse thirteen, it says, "But I would not have you, but, for, uh, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope." Verse eighteen: Wherefore comfort one another with these words. The rapture is a comforting thing for us. We're not going to go through the tribulation. We're not going to go through that struggle. Why? because we have been saved. Verse, look at chapter 5 and verse 9. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, whether we're dead or alive, we should live together with Him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together. So this is a comforting thought. But the context of chapter 5 is the nighttime. It's the nighttime. And so... Here in verse 2, for yourselves know, chapter 5, verse 2, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a what? As a thief. So that matches Matthew 24, 42. They should have been watching for that thief. All right, now we're not watching for the thief in the night. It doesn't matter what that cheesy old movie, Thief of the Night, had in it. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come. Who knows it? And you've been left behind. How many of you know that cheesy movie? You know which one I'm talking about? How many of you have no idea what I'm talking about? Raise your hands. We need to get it and show it. <laughs> Thief in the Night, that's what it was called, right? Yeah. And you know, I still remember being scared to death because this kid came home and there was butter melting on the sidewalk and you know, he thought that everybody had been taken. He'd been left behind. That's not what this passage is talking about. All right, that's the second coming. That's what's happening during the wrath, and and the they're supposed to know when he comes during the second coming. And we know because it's seven years, (laughs) you know, seven years after the rapture. How many of you could count? They're supposed to know when he's coming. But this is there's some really more fun stuff in here. He does come as a thief. Look at Revelation sixteen fifteen. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that... What's it say? Watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Now, can I ask you a question? Is Revelation 16 after the rapture? Yeah. Yeah, Revelation 4 is the rapture. Come up hither. Come up hither. That's the rapture, Revelation 4.1. Um, look at that with me, Revelation four. I look at Revelation 1 19 in case you haven't seen this. The outline of the book of Revelation is given to us in chapter 1 and verse 19. Write, write the things which thou hast seen, that's chapter 1, and the things which are, that's chapters 2 and 3, that's the churches, the church age, the seven churches. And then look at what it says, and the things which shall be hereafter. Things which are, chapter 1, I'm sorry. The things which thou hast seen—that's chapter one. The things which are—that's chapters two and three. Then chapters four through twenty-two are the things which shall be hereafter. So go to chapter four. First two words. After this, after what? Look at the last words of ch- of chapter three. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto what? Churches. The churches. The church age ends with the rapture. After this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. You see that? Hereafter, the things which must be hereafter. So Revelation chapter 16, go back there, Revelation 16, verse 15. Behold, I come as a thief, blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked, and they see his shame." So, this is when Jesus Christ is returning. And remember, what does he do? He gathers everybody to the Battle of Armageddon, and they have the battle. All right? Um, here's how I know that's when this happens. Okay? I know this is complicated. Look at the next verse. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. Armageddon. Okay? So, that's when this happens. Jesus Christ comes as a thief, he returns. He comes in. These people, it's their last chance to receive Jesus Christ as the Messiah. It's their last chance in the tribulation. And now he comes back in judgment. Okay? So in, let's go back to that Matthew 24 If you look at verse 43 again, "...but know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken into. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh." That's his second coming when he returns to the earth. All right, now, we don't have to worry about that anymore. We don't have to worry about it. Go back with me to 1 Thessalonians 5. See, we have the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit hadn't come and indwelt the disciples yet at this point. Remember what Jesus said? The Holy Ghost, which is with you and shall be in you. All right? He hadn't indwelt them yet. The indwelling of the Holy Ghost happens. That's the significance of Acts chapter 2. All right? So... This this worry about Jesus Christ coming as a thief, that's not a concern for us because look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 1, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. And if you haven't done this before, mark these pronouns, okay? Ye have no need that I write unto you. Now, remember the ye's and the you's, the y's, the ye's and the you's, those are plural, The T words, thee and thou, those are singular. They're they're important in your Bible, all right? But look at these pronouns. Ye have no need that I write unto you, for, do you see this? Yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. So when, now notice the change in the pronoun. See that? They, not you. For when they shall say, Peace and safety. Then sudden destruction shall come upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But look at this. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are the children of the light and the children of the day. We are not of the, what? Night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us, what's it say? Watch and be sober. So what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to be watching for the rapture. That's what we're supposed to do. These others, they're watching for the second coming of Christ. All this prophecy about what takes place in the night. So the night is always either the church age or the tribulation. It's either the church age or the tribulation. Here, it's obviously the tribulation. Why? Because we're not of the night. Are we of the church age? Obviously. Yeah. But we're not of this wrath to come. That takes place in the tribulation. So let's, let's try to break this down a little bit more. So not only do we have the Holy Spirit, but we also have the completed Bible. They didn't have the completed Bible. They didn't know what was being spoken of. Can, can I show you that? Look at 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 9, receiving the end of your faith. 1 Peter 1, nine, Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto them. That's a significant pronoun. It's significant. Searching what, or what manner of time, the Spirit of Christ, which was in... What's it say? Them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. So these prophets, these Old Testament prophets, prophesied of the suffering of Christ and the glory that should follow. Unto whom? This is the prophets. It was revealed that not unto... What's that pronoun? Themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto by them that have preached the gospel unto you, look at this, with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. So we have a completed scriptures. We have the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. The apostles, even while they're walking the earth with Jesus Christ, they didn't understand what we know now because we have the Bible. Can you imagine saying that you know more about God's plan than Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John did? You do. You do. That's why sometimes you'll see the disciples ask Jesus a question and you're going, duh. Right? Why is that? Because you have a completed Bible. Look at... um, It's either 1st or 2nd Timothy, I will tell you momentarily. It is 2nd Timothy, chapter 2 and verse 7. All right, 2nd Timothy, chapter 2 and verse 7. Paul is writing to Timothy. He says, Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ, of the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to what? my gospel. That's all new information that they didn't understand in the Old Testament. So when we look back at what those apostles are saying and they're questioning, we understand it because we have the completed gospels, we have the writings of the apostle Paul, we have the book of Revelation, we have all of this information that they didn't have. And so we don't have to worry about the rapture if we're saved. But man, those people in the tribulation, they're really going to have to worry about it in the night, in the night. So, we have the completed scriptures. Um, So, go back to Matthew 14. And this is a real good example of this. Matthew 14, look at verse 25. And in the fourth watch of the night... Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea, the fourth watch of the night. We are in the fourth watch of the night. It's the time right before the Lord returns. That's the time of the night that we're in. The fourth watch is the morning watch. Okay, so uh, go to Malachi chapter 4. Verse 2, But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of righteousness arise with healing in His wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. All right? So look at chapter 4 and verse 1. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven. For all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root or branch, but unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise. I like that. That's that morning that's coming. It's night, but morning is coming. And in that morning, Jesus Christ is going to, rot, is going to come back with healing in His wings. Um, look at... So this, this Son of Righteousness that's going to come... Look at Second Peter one nineteen. The nighttime. Second Peter one Verse nineteen. We also have a more sure word of prophecy that's more sure than the audible voice of God. That's what he's talking about from the Mount of Transfiguration. We have also a more sure word of prophecy whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. The day star arise in your hearts. Now, if you have an NIV there in... Uh, Isaiah chapter 14, where it says, How art thou fallen, O Lucifer, son of the morning? They put a cross-reference to this verse. They put a cross-reference between Jesus and Lucifer. You've got to wonder about a person's brain who does that. That's the, that's the NIV study Bible. Second Peter one nineteen. this is the day star. Look at Revelation 22.16. Revelation twenty two sixteen. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star, the sun of the morning, the bright and morning star. Jesus Christ is coming back. Now, I want you to notice something. Go back to Isaiah chapter 21 where we started. Isaiah 21. All right, verse 11. It says in the middle of the verse, Watchmen, what of the night? Watchmen, what of the night? Look at the context, verse 9. And behold, here cometh a chariot of men with a couple of horsemen. And he answered and said, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, and all the grave and images of her gods he hath broken unto the ground. That's the context. So historically, this is a reference to the conquest of Babylon by Persia. So if you look at verse 2 there in chapter 21, a grievous vision is declared unto me, the treacherous dealer dealeth treacherously, and the spoiler spoileth. Go up, O Elam, besiege, O Media, all the sighing thereof have I made to cease. So this is the conquering of Babylon by Medo-Persia. And so that's the exact image of Daniel chapter 2. You have Persia, Babylon, uh, and and the... I'm sorry, Babylon is conquered by Persia, Persia is conquered by Greece, and then Rome. Um, But prophetically... This is Revelation 18. So keep your place here in Isaiah 21. Go to Revelation chapter 18. Look at verse 1. After these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. You'll notice that back in Isaiah chapter 21, that you have an immediate fulfillment. This is the principle of dual fulfillment in your Bible. You have an immediate fulfillment of Babylon being conquered by Persia, and that's in the context. But in Revelation chapter 18, it's quoting that passage as the fall of mystery Babylon that's introduced for us in Revelation chapter 17. So this is a prophecy about what is going to happen. All right, so back to Isaiah 21. So Babylon falls right before the second coming. So the watchman is looking for the return of Christ exactly as we're told to do in Matthew chapter 13. All right, that's what's happening in Isaiah 21. The watchman is watching for the return of Christ. Now notice carefully the wording in verse 12. All right, so we're back in Isaiah 21 and verse 12. The watchman said, The morning cometh, and also the night. If you will inquire, inquire ye. Return, come. All right, so look at the order of the words here. It says, um, The watchman, the morning cometh. So you have the night of the church age. So notice it has the, the morning and also the night. Isn't that backwards? Wouldn't you think that the night of the tribulation would come before the morning of the return of Christ? No. This is dealing with the rapture. So the Son of righteousness arises for us in the rapture. This is us in the church age, the night, looking for the return of Christ, looking for the rapture, and then comes the night of the tribulation. All right? The watchman saith, the morning cometh, and also the night. So not only does the morning come, but also the night. The morning of the rapture is followed the night of the tribulation. That's what's being spoken of. And so this fits so well with, look at Revelation 22.20. The order of those words is so significant. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. So this is us looking for the coming of Christ before the tribulation. This Revelation chapter 22 and 20, that's us looking for the second coming of Jesus Christ. For us, that's the rapture. For the people on earth, that's pretty bad for, for the, those that are left behind. Um, all right, let me finish this up with a couple of things. Jesus said, and if I go again, I will come again. And if I go away, I will come again. That's John chapter 14. Now, there's a heavy responsibility for these watchmen. So look at Matthew chapter 28. Look at verse 13. Saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. And if this come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. So they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Why were they willing to do that? We really need verse 11. I'm sorry. It says, Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, His disciples came and took them. What were they doing? They were afraid that these... these soldiers who were the guards, they knew that they were going to be taken, uh, the penalty of death. That's what would happen. And so they told them to lie about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Look at Acts chapter 12. Verse 6, "...and when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains and the keepers before the door of the prison." All right, so here you have these soldiers, they're on watch, they're keeping him, but then they sleep and the chains fall off. Look at um, verse 18. So look at verse 18 of that chapter. "...now as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers." Uh, what was become of Peter. And when Herod had sought for him and found him not, he examined the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and their abode. So the penalty for not keeping watch was death. Do you remember in Acts chapter 16, the Philippian jailer, the, the, they get away and he's going to kill himself. And he said, do thy no harm. We're all here. We're all here. And he comes and falls and says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So the reason for that is a lot of people's lives are dependent on the garden that he is supposed to watch. Go to Ezekiel. Ezekiel 32. Ezekiel 32 and verse 4. All right. It's Ezekiel uh, It's Ezekiel 33. in verse 2. Son of man, speak to the children of thy people and say unto them, When I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of the land take a man of their coasts and set him for their watchman, if when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people, then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. When he heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning, he heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning. His blood shall be upon him, but he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. See thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die. If thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. So what God is saying is he is calling these Old Testament prophets watchmen. And he's given them a responsibility to warn the people. Now, the prophet can't make the people do anything. It's his job to warn the people. That's exactly what the preacher is supposed to do in the New Testament. Look at Acts chapter 20. Look at verse 26. Acts 20 and verse 26. This is when he's leaving Ephesus. He says, Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. So here's what the apostle Paul did. He recognized that he was a watchman. It was his job to warn the people. If he hadn't warned the people, then when the people came into judgment, their blood was on him. But he says here, I'm free from the blood of all men. Why? Because I've not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. So as pastor here, what I'm trying to do is teach you through all of the scriptures and teach you what the Bible says about all of these things. I try and warn you. I try and teach you. I try and instruct you because that's the job of the pastor. I'm not responsible for how people respond to the teaching, but I am responsible to teach. Look at Ezekiel chapter 3. Look at verse 17. Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. That's the job. That's the job of the Old Testament prophet. The Apostle Paul did that in the New Testament under that dispensation. He said, I am pure from the blood of all men. That's our job. I want you to notice how this goes together. Look at Hebrews chapter 13. We looked at this very briefly on Sunday. Hebrews 13 and verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they, what's it say? Watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Not only is a pastor to be a watchman over his congregation... But each individual is supposed to be a watchman for himself. In in Matthew 26, well, let's go ahead and look at it. Look at Matthew 26. Can you see why this would be difficult to do on a Sunday morning? Matthew 26. This is when the disciples were... He's trying to get them to pray with Him. Verse 41, Matthew 26, 41. Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So we're supposed to watch. And there's a great passage that gives an example of how we're supposed to do this. Go to Psalm 141. Psalm 141, verse 1. Lord, I cry unto thee, make haste unto me. Give ear unto my voice when I cry unto thee. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense, and the lifting up of my hands as as the evening sacrifice. Look at this. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Just a watch. We're supposed to watch. That's such a beautiful thing. Now, I have one more, but we'll do that one next week because it looks like we have covered a lot of information, a lot of territory tonight. But what have we seen? The times of the Gentiles. The times of the Gentiles. That's the time. And you see it because the dating of the first vision, Zechariah seven. The dating of it is dated with a Gentile king. Hosea chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, it shows us that there's going to be a time when there's no king. There's no prince. There's no temple. There's no ephod. There's no whatever that other word is. There's none of that. That's where Israel is now. It's the times of the Gentiles. And Jesus said in Luke 21, 24 that they would be trodden down until the times of the Gentiles become in. Look at what happened this week in Israel. What do you have? You have the whole world angry because the United States recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. Did you see all the news reports? You, you have Hamas, which is a terrorist organization that the Palestinians voted to be their government. They voted to have a terrorist organization lead them. They come and they attack and try and get into Israel. Thousands of them, they're flying kites with Molotov cocktails on them to set the fields on fire in Israel, and that's what they did. They're trying to get through the fence. They're trying to climb over the walls. And what they were going to do when they got over the walls, these Hamas... Terrorists, they were going to set up lemonade stands. They were there to bring bring peace, joy, and falafel. No, they were going to kill as many of them as they could. They're quoted as... Newspaper guys, reporters interviewed some of these people. They said, do you not see that the swastika that, that doesn't help your cause... What do you want to accomplish? And this guy answered this reporter, I want to get in there and kill as many of them as I can. I want them to burn. And the reporter's like shocked. They're so stupid. What's going on? The Holy Land is still trodden down of the Gentiles. It's still trodden down. It's not rebuilt yet. Now, it's beginning, but it's not rebuilt yet. Why? Because the times of the Gentiles has not been completed. We're still in the night, but we're looking for the morning. And when the morning star rises, when Jesus Christ comes back for us, then comes that night. Now, we as believers, we're not worried about that night, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're not worried about that because we're not of the night, we're of the day. So even though we live in this period of time, we're not of this world. And we're going to be taken out of this world. And then comes that judgment. So look at Zechariah chapter 1, and let's finish. Zechariah chapter 1, look at verse 8. I saw by night, and behold, a man riding upon a red horse. And he stood among the myrtle. Remember, myrtle, that's the same name as Hadassah. That's what the word Hadassah means Esther. That's a picture of Israel. Among the myrtle that were in the bottom, and that is the low spot. Where is Israel now? They're in that low spot. God's not done with them. He's going to build Israel again. Look at verse 17. Cry yet, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, My cities through prosperity shall yet spread abroad, and the Lord shall yet comfort Zion, and shall yet choose Jerusalem. Right now, I saw by night. This is dealing with where Israel is now. We're looking for the rapture. The church is going to be gone, and then it's going to really become night for Israel. Look at uh, Zechariah 13. I've I've referenced it already. You know what? Go to Zechariah 12, verse 2. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about, when they shall be in the siege both against Judah and against Jerusalem. And in that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut to pieces, though all the people of the earth be gathered against it. In that day, saith the Lord, I will smite every horse with astonishment and his rider with madness, and I will open mine eyes upon the house of Judah and will smite every horse of the people with blindness. And the governors of Judah shall say in their heart, The inhabitants of Jerusalem shall be my strength in the Lord of hosts their God. And it goes on. Look at chapter 13, verse 8. And it shall come to pass that in all the land, saith the Lord, two parts therein shall be cut off and die, but the third shall be left therein. And I will bring the third part through the fire and will refine them as silver is refined and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name and I will hear them. I will say it is my people and they shall say the Lord is my God. All right. Revelation chapter, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 11. Verse twenty five for I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel, until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all Jerusalem shall be saved, as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel they are enemies for your sakes. But as touching the election, they beloved for the Father's sakes. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. God has made His promise to Israel. All Israel is going to be saved. The fullness of the Gentiles comes in. When that fullness of the Gentiles comes in, that is the last Gentile gets saved. We're taken out. The rapture takes place. God begins working with Israel. He kills two-thirds of them. And all that are left... Are saved. How are they saved? They call on the name of the Lord. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Zechariah 13, verse 9 again. He says, in the middle of the verse, they shall call on my name, and I will hear them. I will say it is my people, and they shall say the Lord is my God. Chapter 14, verse 1, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh. That's the night. That's the night. That's what Zechariah is dealing with. The book of Zechariah is dealing with this period, with the Jews and the times of the Gentiles. Sometimes it's dealing with the kingdom. Sometimes it's dealing with the tribulation. The context will give that to us, and we know that by tracing the passages through the Scripture and allowing the Bible to define itself. All right, that's it. Let's have a couple of ushers come forward. We need to take our offering.